Kevin Gale of Slick Toxic. I have to say, thank you for doing this, dude. Absolutely. It was it's wonderful to be here. It's absolutely wonderful to be here. So I'm glad. absolutely enjoying myself. This is absolutely amazing. <laughs> so glad you took the round to boot here and got here to do the interview. I, I, took the I took the lotus to the roundabout and I came around the corner and came to actually complete stop right outside the house. <laughs> Can we also just talk about how ridiculous that I sounded like I'd never talked to you ever? Like we just, we talk almost every day. <laughs> I know. And it's like, I never talked to you. Like, Kevin, yeah. thanks for being on the show, man. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful to be here. I couldn't think of any place I'd rather be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope that's the truth, regardless. But you know, absolutely, yeah, I wouldn't absolutely. put that to a vote. But but no, so, no, no, no. So this is a this is a cool thing because, like, you know, for those of you know whoever's listening, you know, all all ten of them, whoever, um, <laughs> that don't know, um, you know, you and I were talking about, you know, we're both from the same generation. And of yep. uh, growing up as hard rock and metal fans and music fans in general. And mm-hmm. 1992, I graduated high school and uh, or in June of yeah, in June of 92, I graduated high school uh, here in, in Georgia. And my friends and I to celebrate, they took me to see. Well, first off, the night before they got me so drunk that <laughs> I. I literally thought I was on a boat because the whole room was just rocking so hard. Uh, and I got so drunk, threw up into a faster pussycat t-shirt who was who we were going to go see the next night. And I balled it up and threw it under my friend's bed and it lived there for like a week until he could. Oh. Yeah. 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 If that tells you something. So anyway, <clears throat> fast forward to the next day, you know, we're talking pre-internet here, right? So like, Right. All we know is that Faster Pussycat's playing. There was some band on the bill called Blackboard Jungle, who we had kind of heard of that was from L.A. Mm-hmm. And this band, Slick Toxic, who had two words completely misspelled. And we were like, those guys sound pretty badass. <laughs> like, we have to go to, we're going to go check these guys out. So my friends and I, we walk into the masquerade. It's packed to the rafters. Blackboard Jungle goes on, completely underwhelms us. We have no idea who they are. We're like, eh, they're okay, pretty good, whatever. Then on comes this band, yeah, Slick Toxic is coming next. And in my mind, I can still vividly see that the drum kit is like wheeled out, kind of like on a, you know, like it's, and it was on a riser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it only came out somewhat to the side of the stage. (laughs) And we were like, the fuck, man, that, kits bigger than the goddamn room (laughs) and then you guys walked out on stage and you opened with the song crashed yep and my friends and i looked at each other and we were just like we found our new favorite band this is incredible and like for like 45 minutes you guys slayed it faster pussycat came on had a hard time following like we were just not into it and so um Next day, I rush out get the get the doing the nasty album. Yeah, and mm-hmm. um, which before I go on, met you guys after the show after your set. And y'all were super nice to me. You had, you had bummed a cigarette from me, and yep. um, and you said I'll 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 get you one back. And of course, being you know, you know, seventeen eighteen yeah. year old kid, I'm like yeah, yeah, whatever. After your set, you're covered in sweat. You come over to you like, oh dude, I found you some cigarettes here, and I'm like, these guys fucking rule, man. <laughs> all for a pack of smokes but it's amazing what a pack of smokes goes for you when you when you're 18 man like you broke a spot yeah that's that's yeah and and you know we were so green at the time like we were just doing what we normally do like we weren't you know we weren't there wasn't anything preconceived. There wasn't anything. We just went out and we just, we're just us. And I think that's why people really dug us is because we were pretty honest about the way we were and how we approached, you know, how we approached, you know, going out. So it was just basically, and then that was it. I mean, like it was uh, from beginning to end, we were just like in your face and that was it. Like we just go out and just hammer people. And that's, that's sweet. That was just us being us. So the album came out in 92. I right. remember. <clears throat> What was what was the setup for Slick Toxic? Like, as far as like, like, where did you guys 
come from? I mean, like, you know, yeah, I can ask these fucking questions, by the way, because for one, you're one of my best buds. And two, because there's not a much bunch of shit about slick toxic on the internet. Well, no, I mean, there's really not much to tell. I mean, you know, Nick and I, you know, Nick and I went to, to school together. I was in another band. He was, you know, in a band like, and then like we were both grew up in the same neighborhood. And then, you know, we, we kind of hooked up at, at a, at a mall and then we started jamming and then I left for a bit and then I then he got Rob and then I came back and then it was a dual guitar team. Nick was playing guitar for a while while Rob was the band. Then I came back and then that's sort of how the band started. And I mean, we were really young. Like, I mean, we're talking, yeah. you know, 17, you know, 16, 17. And then, you know, we, we got, you know, we started playing around and then we like our management found us. And then, um, you know, we started going in the studio, started recording. And then we got picked up by, you know, Capitol Records. And then we went and really did the record. The funny thing is, is we really did the record. We did the, doing the nasty. And then we went back in and re-recorded the EP and then released that first. And then yeah, it was like the whole Guns and Roses thing. Yeah. I will say thank you again for that, um, for the EP. Oh. Thank you so much. I mean, oh. I, I couldn't believe what I thought. But, <laughs> but you know, we, we, like they capital sat on the record for a year and then, you know, we put out the EP to sort of garner some interest from stuff like that. You know, it had BFD on it. It had uh riff raff mass confusion and Rachel's breathing, breathing. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, and then it became Rachel's dead on, on doing the nasty. Why? I mean, I guess, you know, she was breathing and then we killed her. So, you know, <laughs> so we did it that way. And, but then Rachel's yeah, dead I mean, and then Rachel's dead became my band. Yes, that that is true. It Rachel Dead did become your band and, in '92. You know, that is a, that is a great name for a band. That's a great band name. Um, but you know, we, we did. You know, we, we toured around, and I mean, we got really lucky. I mean, I, and you know, like we worked our asses off. Don't kid yourself. Like, I mean, we rehearsed every day, and that's you know having day jobs and then rehearsing at nights, and it was every day. Like it was not there was not days where we took off. It was every single day we rehearsed, and you know do write and do all this sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was it was it was great, and we had a great time doing it, and it was it was a lot of fun. Like I mean, you know, we 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 you know we we grew as as into men doing what we were doing, you know, what we we're loving to do. So it was really it was really cool, and it was really it was really a lot of fun. Um, you know, and then it, as you grow older, you know, the, the, and sort of you're not making any money doing stuff like that. You know, it's time to actually start looking. You know, okay, I got to move on to something else because it's it's just not working anymore, right? So I was the first one to go. And I, I'm not sure what happened after that. I know they got another guy in and it wasn't the same and, you know, yada, yada, yada. I mean, when you start taking elements of a band out, you know, it changes the dynamic of a band. Like people are not like when you have a band that works, people are not replaceable. A lot of people think you are like, I mean, you have very few instances where a band becomes very successful and then you could take out key members and then, and then, you know, think that it's going to be just as good. There's like the only a handful of times that it's worked you know, with Van Halen, um, with Black Sabbath, you know, with ACDC, AC, you know, yeah, yeah. There's, it's only worked a handful of times. And for the rest of the time, there's a reason why a band becomes successful. A band becomes successful because of the, the individuals that make up that band. And, you know, everybody brings their own deal to the table and that's what works. Like the stars align, everything works. And then boom, that's how it goes. So, so you guys definitely, so, so you got you got started you did a lot of shows like you said you you garnered oh, yeah. some you know, you garnered like you know management interest and then the label interest and then the label yeah. picked you up and then all of a sudden you guys are about to deliver your debut album at a pretty like rocky if that time album, in music if, if that album had to come out a, a year earlier when it was done it would have been a totally different ball game, but because it came out when grunge was starting to happen mm -hmm. and it was starting the whole thing, like, I mean, and I'm not going to take any, I'm not going to say anything, you know, bad about grunge, even though it killed, you know, the fun in music, but it, you know, it, it was a change that needed to happen. Like that whole, the whole scene at the time needed to change the excess, the partying and all, you know, the chicks and everything else. And that's what guys were writing about. You know, it didn't, it needed to change and it needed to grow and it needed to evolve. And it sort of was at a stagnant point and it just, it needed to, it needed to grow. Like, and, and, you know, grunge came along at a time where people were ready to take that growth and ready to move on with that growth. I mean, 
you know, and it, that's the, that's the time that, you know, you didn't have to be like, you know, a high singing vocalist to, to, to get a job singing. Right. Because, you know, all the metal bands, and the, you know, like when we were around, they all had high singers that could, you know, hit the high notes and do everything else like that. The singers that are in grunge bands weren't like that. That's what not what their deal was. Right. And they were sort of the antithesis of all that. So, you know, th- it needed to change. Music needed to change and it needed to do that in order to evolve to where it is today. I mean, it's 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 all very cyclical. You know what I mean? I mean, like, yeah. I mean, I mean, we saw it, we saw it when we were younger. I mean, hell, we're seeing it now, you know, like, I mean, I'm, you know, it, you know, you and I were just talking about this not too long ago, is that like how, you know, over, I'd say over the past, maybe five, six years or so, I've been really immersed in this, like, you know, you know, Swedish, Finnish kind of like psychedelic occult rock type stuff. That's like, yeah, literally sounds like, you know, Jethro Tull and Jefferson airplane. And but we're talking, yeah. we're talking people in their like mid twenties, late twenties, thirties. Dirty and- Honey is a band that I just heard. And they're like, they're, they're like, like, you know, a Les Paul into a Marshall stack with no effects, nothing. And it's, and it's just rocking. It reminds me of old Aerosmith and it's great. And that Blackberry smoke is another band. That's all vintage yeah. instruments. I don't know how old those dudes are. Do you, you know them, don't you? So I don't know him personally. I, I know, I know, I know uh, a couple of the dudes or, or either maybe three of them. I know two, the two brothers, they were in uh, like one of the biggest death metal bands in Atlanta back in the Yeah. 80s. You were saying, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nihilist. Yeah. But you know, but that's the thing is that, you know, because music really is so cyclical is that like, you know, one of the things I used to tell people all the time is that it used to freak. I was like people who knew me like after, like they met me like in my twenties when I was a folk singer and all this stuff. And like, they'd find out I was into metal and they'd be like, Oh, you are metal, you know? But like most of my friends who were like, who remembered me from back in the day and saw me become that they were all just kind of like, yeah, you know, it, it was, it was, you know, you know, I formed Rachel's Dead in 92. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Rachel's Dead. And we played from 92 to 94. Yeah. And in that two-year time span, like music, especially metal, hard rock, everything had changed so dramatically. Yes, it did. That, that I, 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 I was just like, let me off. Let me off this fucking ride. I don't, I don't love where it's going. I, mm-hmm. I I don't I I mean it was like it was the hardest thing, man. I mean because like you know Halford was leaving Priest, Bruce left Maiden, Metallica yeah, cut their know. hair and quit playing guitar solos. Like <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, the ship is going down, dude. Iron Maiden was playing at the same club that my band played at, you know. And I was like, yeah. dude, I was like, what is happening? Uh-huh. But again, it became this kind of cyclical thing and kind of like what you were talking about, like with Blackberry smoke in those bands is that <clears throat> I meet more bands of that genre of music that are our age. And yeah, I'd say maybe a good 75, maybe even sometimes 65, 75% of them were all metalheads or punk bands or whatever, because yeah. that was what we did when we were younger. And yeah. then when we got older, we just happened to be in this place where music was kind of cycling around and you either, you either stuck to it and ended up in band ended up like, like disturbed or something like that. Yeah. I total respect. I'm not a bit, I'm not a fan, but I love Dave dreaming. I'm lots of respect to that band, but they were one of those bands that were like our age who played metal at a young age, but then morphed with the times as metal changed. Yeah. And yet and people again, like me who were just like, I'm not really down with that. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not so down with the sickness, but you know, I'm going to go get, you know, down with the grateful dead for a while and see how that works. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, you know, you know, like Rick Beato, I don't know if you know who he is. He has a tube uh, a channel on YouTube. He's a producer. He produced shine down all this stuff and he's great. He takes apart songs. And he does all this stuff. And he's, and he posed the question. He goes, has it has the last rock record been made like is there any more like is there any more rock records to be made like is oh, can yeah. anybody make anything different and and really i 
I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know. Like, I don't know if the genre itself is, is, is dead or if it's still thriving or whatever. All I know is, is that when I go see Maiden, fucking shows are sold out. When I go see, you know, when I, when I go see a uh, priest in, in, in April show, it's like going to be fucking stuffed, you know? And then we're, we're going to, we're going to um, see Bruce Dickinson uh, doing a spoken word tour at the end of this month. Yeah. And, and we're really looking forward to it. And we actually just, it's funny. We just got bumped to second row for that. Like, like my wife is going to be like, you know, feet away from Bruce, which is great. And I know she's really excited about that. So it's going to be really awesome to, to go do that. We've seen a spoken word tour before, but we had to leave early because, you know, getting up for work the next day. But with this, this time we don't have to leave because he's like literally around the corner. Like it's not going to be far. Oh, yeah. So it's going to be a great show. And like I said, we're going to Maiden in, in October. And it's, again, I love seeing Maiden. Like I, like I, I will never tire of seeing Maiden. I will never tire of seeing that band. I love them like still to this day. Right. I love Maiden. I always oh, will. I mean, to me that, uh, yeah, I mean, but, but yeah, but I love what you, I wanted to go back to what you said though, that was super interesting about like whether or not like rock and roll or <clears throat> I don't know, hard rock, classic, whatever is still thriving or still alive or whatever, you know, you'll have the fans that will say, yes, it is. And you know what? I agree with you, but there's nothing been put out that's earth shattering since probably guns and roses. Yeah, I would, I would probably, I'd probably say, Probably one of the last, at least for what I can think of, as far as like in my generation, was probably like the Black Crows. Like that was one of the. Yeah, few but that's, you know, that, that's not even that's not even arenas. I'm talking arenas around the world. Oh, you're talking Huge like band. arena rock as far as like big bands. I think that that's probably very very accurate. I mean, because if I think like back Guns to like, Roses were the last. I think that they were the last band to do that whole arena deal and like be larger than life. Cause I mean, now there's, there's nothing like there's, there's nothing like, I mean, there's good music, but there's nothing of that size anymore. There's nothing that could say, okay, a new band comes out. They're not going to sell out stadiums. Like they're not going to be, you know, Guns N' Roses could go play any stadium in the world and sell it out. Metallica Guns and Roses, Roses and Metallica are pretty much our generations like Rolling Stones, you know, or that's like, what I'm talking whatever. about. Like the Stones like Zeppelin and all that kind of deal. There's been nothing. I mean, we're not I mean, you know it's pretty amazing, like when I think when like we were talking about like like when I look back on, you know, when we were younger, say like when I was in high school, you know, that I can remember rat selling out an eighteen thousand seat arena. You yeah. know, and I mean, yeah, you know, I, 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 you know, I saw Skid Row sell out a, you know, you know, a 20,000 seat arena on New Year's Eve in New Orleans in 92, 91, yeah, you know, I believe. And it. like, you know, I mean, it was, it was a heyday. It was a heyday for those bands. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the other thing too, is that there wasn't the oversaturation of music. You know, I That's interviewed true, somebody. Too. God, probably about eight years ago, and I wish I could remember who said it, but um, uh, he said the one of the best things that ever happened is that anyone can make a record, and then one of the worst things that ever happened was that anybody could make a record, you know. And that's the thing, like, I mean, it's like you have to ask yourself the question, right? Like, just because you can doesn't mean you should, Thank right? You. Like, that's absolutely, yeah, just because you can do it doesn't mean you really should do it. Because remember, it's the same thing. When you, what has been heard cannot be unheard. Oh, no, man. Like, I get, you know what I mean? Like, I, and, get, and I get like 25 emails a day, 30 emails a day from like PR people about bands and labels. And every day there's a band I never heard of. There's a label I never even heard existed. And I'm like, you know, when, when I was younger, I remember there was like, what, Atlanta, Atlantic, Columbia, Electra, Geffen, Capital, Capital EMI, EMI. And, then yeah. it, and, and then you maybe, and then you got into like Metal Blade, Roadrunner, you know, like, which were the smaller, but still, I mean, I'm talking, I could count these labels probably on 
two and a half hands. Yeah, Whereas, you know, like, the funny thing about the funny thing about Roadrunner is that Nickelback got signed to Roadrunner. That's who. That's who Roadrunner made their money off of. Yeah. And you know what? And people carve on that band, but I, you know what? They write great riffs, big choruses. What's not to like? Right, but yet they get you know they get ragged upon by every every band out there. But you know they come put out a record; they're guaranteed, you know, to, to to pop out six or seven million records. They're guaranteed. So I mean, why wouldn't you stick to a formula? And if that's a bad thing, I don't think Chad or or Dave really cares when they're driving their Lamborghini. Look, I really like, don't think they give a shit. ACDC had a formula. The Ramones had a formula. Kiss has a formula. Like and it works. you know. I mean, you know, and it works, it works for them, you know, I mean, like, yes, that's, absolutely you know, and, and to be honest, people like us, like, I mean, you know, like, like I love Maiden because I always love that. You never know quite what you're going to get. I love the versatility in this and the other, but new the, Maiden time, album, the new Maiden album is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. You think so? I, we, we bought the vinyl like, and it's killer. It's a great from beginning to end. It's awesome. Beginning to end. It's great. I still think final frontier was better, but <laughs> you know what? You got to hear the whole record. Once you hear the whole record, you'd be like, Jesus Christ. But you got to remember these guys are almost 70, you know, but the fact that, that, that they are a band, like, you know, like even like them and like priest God, when priest put out firepower, that was the best record they'd put out since like, screaming for vengeance you know and like Ooh, that bites your tongue there boy you know well, there's, been, but, uh, there's been nothing better than screaming for vengeance ever well no, i meant i meant since like after that yeah. you know like you yeah. know but it, it, nothing that for vengeance was there uh, was was their song remains the same oh that it was their best album ever i'm telling you dude screaming for vengeance and defenders of the faith man you put those two together and it's just like you know I'll take yeah. vengeance over faith any day. But, you know, but again, like I said, though, like the fact that they're putting out new music is that, you know, older bands that are still making new music, you know, yep. that can still be relevant. But again, also not if you can, not everyone should, you know, like yeah. crew, bands like that yeah. who can tie can, you know, Well, I, I think I, I think that the, the band, you know, I think crew, I think as a band, I think that they're ready to fire on all cylinders, but I don't think Vince is quite ready to go yet. I mean, we're going to see crew. Like we're going to see them, uh, cause they're doing the stadium tour with, you know, Joan Jett and poison and, uh, lap and them. Yeah. So we're going to see that. And I don't think Vince is quite ready to do that. Um, you know, with this stuff that he's been, you know, showing people on, 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 you know, YouTube, you're kind of like, I don't know, man. I don't know if you I don't know, man. That. Um, me, me and some friends are you know, taking a poll as to whether or not he's going to be singing to tapes. You know, like with. You know. I really hope not. I, I really hope not because we didn't, you know, spend all that money to go see, uh, you know, a tape machine. You know, I, I hope I not either, man. But boy, if he if he does a if they do a stadium tour with him sounding like that, but I don't know. But then again, they were doing arenas with him sounding like that, so who knows? Maybe they'll, um, you know. Yeah, you know, I hope so. I don't I even really think. I don't even think crew is top bill. I think uh, Def Leppard's. No, crew is. Crew's oh, are they? Okay. Yeah, okay. They're, they're I couldn't remember. But. Um, no, they're headline. So, okay. God, again, I love this. But so doing the nasty, come on. I'm looking at the track list of this album. And okay. one of the things that stuck me, that stick out to me to even now is that lyrically, the album was so clever and it was so like it, it wasn't like it had this like tongue in cheek kind of to it, but not not so oh, much yeah. even just like a section, not not really like sexually, but like. There's some dark shit, you know, like, you know, even you know, going into like Sweet Asylum, uh, Marionette. Yeah, you know, I was like crashed. Um, yeah. You know, midnight Grind, like which by the way, is like my second favorite song on the album. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, uh, it, you know, there, there's, there's, there's a great, there's a great deal of, of, to be said about the lyrics on that record. They were, they were so far ahead of their time. Uh, Dave Marcel, which was a childhood buddy of, of Nick's, um, 
wrote the lyrics for that record. And I mean, of course, with Nick's input, but you know, he did all the lyrics. He, he was, he was ingenious on how he made things flow. And it wasn't just your typical lyrics. It's actually what made you think, you know, and, and looking back at the lyrics for now, you know, and how, what they meant back then as to what they would mean now. Um, I think it's, I think that, you know, Dave was way ahead of his time on what he was doing when he was writing the lyrics for the, for those songs. And it, 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 they're, they're really good. It, and it's funny because I'm sure anybody who hasn't heard this album should be going to listen to it right now because it's on Spotify finally after yes, all these it years. Is. Oh, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I always loved about this album is that, like I said, like there's a darkness to it. It really is yeah. a lot of dark undertones, yeah. but it was kind of like, you know, and of course I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for this from people, but because I'm me and it's my show and I can say whatever the fuck I want. Like, I thought it was actually done better than what guns and roses did on appetite for destruction. Because when I go back and I listen to appetite for destruction to me now, like I, I, I get what the appeal was to me at the time, because you know, when you're, you know, in sixth grade and you're watching yeah. Poison sing, you know, I want action and talk dirty to me. And all of a sudden you've got, you know, Guns N' Roses singing about heroin and, you know, a groupie chick, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, like when I, when I got into this like toxic album, you know, like I said, I was out of high school, you know, I was you know, still a teenager, but not quite, you know, not quite. You're sort you know, of like, not, not all the way. But it was enough for me to like listen to a song like it's not easy, which is yeah. my favorite song, by the way. Oh, no. And like in my mind, when I listen to that song, even now, like I think to myself, like, OK, so if Poison and Warrant were kind of like the woohoo, it's a party back here. It's great or whatever. Like to me, it you know, you know, it's not easy was like, oh, my God, man, I am on a bathroom floor full of piss in like this shitty backstage room somewhere in like North America in a place I've never been. I'm puking yeah. my guts out. The yeah. band is yelling for, you know what I mean? So, so it was almost like it was like this, like kind of a seedy side. And, yeah, I mean, and that's what I loved about th- that album and that song. And just like, I don't know, there were, there was, there was, you know, I don't know, 30 years later, dude, like I listen to this record and I go, that sounds fucking good. That is there's there's a whole ton of stuff on that on that song. You know, like I was starting to experiment with slide guitar and I was starting to experiment all that sort of stuff. So I decided to put it on on that. So I was starting to to, to experiment and it kind of like when you, you're doing the slides up, it kind of reminds you of like you know falling up the stairs or doing whatever. And that's sort of where I was going with that idea. And it. You know, it, the song was a fun song to play. Um, the middle section is my favorite, like where it's but um, it goes into that fucking like gnarly, like blues and like you know, that kind of strut. There's like, yeah, there's just a ton of there's a ton of different styles in that song, and there's a ton of, ton of different stuff, right? Um, and yeah, it's it was it was always fun to play live. I always love playing that song, dude. That part that it's that breakdown in the middle. Where like, oh my god, dude, and the drum. I mean, I don't know, like, I feel like I could go on and on about this song, but like, you know, yeah, the again, so going back to the album, like, when you guys were kind of you know, you're putting the songs together, you're going in, you're you know, you were going to record, you know you kind of knew you were going, this was kind of coming out in like a weird time though, but you stuck to your guns. So what was it about it? Like, did you kind of go into it knowing that your time might be kind of no, limited with thing. this? We had that, album, that album was done a year before it was released. So it really, the times weren't changing as of yet, right? Like Nirvana still hadn't oh, broken. Oh, right. Okay. And you know, I, I saw an old picture where there's a, there's a, a venue in Toronto called the opera house. And it was like, it was like Nirvana was on the Thursday and we were playing the Saturday Right. Yeah. And I mean, this, this is, this is the Nirvana, right? I mean, and they were really still like nobody at that point. They didn't break at that point. So we still had some time left. So we really didn't see this coming, you know, until we were actually were out on the road and saw what was happening out there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we really didn't see this coming. And it's funny 
when we played Seattle, when we were out on tour with, with Malmsteen and we played, we played Seattle, um, the guys that were there told me they were completely sick of that because they've been dealing with it for the last six years and they fucking hated it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and, and that, that's the funny thing. Like the whole world didn't even know what, what was going on, but the guys in Seattle knew and hated it. Like they right, were like, you know, we, right. we love bands like you, like not like this, right? Because, you know, I don't feel like <laughs> slit my wrist and dying. Right. So, right. yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it was a whole, a whole different, um, thinking i i suppose and it was a whole different you know that whole kind of the whole transitioning but again it's one of those things that needed to happen like i said like the 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 whole hair like hair metal i hate saying that but you know that whole hair metal scene needed to change like we like it, it needed to change and if we had been an out like if we had been an out out um a year earlier it would have been a whole different ballgame but we weren't and you know what you can't you can't go back and change time and i'm very grateful for the success that we have had you know, so like looking back on it though, like 30 years later, do you, are you kind of surprised that people still kind of come up very, to you and very, they're like, you know, what about this album and what is it that surprises you? Um, that, you know, I, I have people telling me that, dude, you are the soundtrack of my youth. You know, like I, you know, would be out in, you know, the bush with my ghetto blaster, listening to nasty, you know, listening to cheap nicotine and, and it was great. And it, it meant a lot to people. And you know what, that, that's, that's a really good thing. Cause as, as an artist, as you know, as an artist, your job is to be able to reach people and be able to touch people, make them feel good. And, you know, as an entertainer, you know, forget about the problems for a while. And, and apparently, you know, we, we were able to do that and I'm completely grateful for that. You know, and, and, and that's, <laughs> I mean, that's about the best way you can say it. Cause I can't think of anything that makes you feel more successful than when somebody says, you know, a body of work that you put out, like yeah. it's tied to a memory or tied to <clears throat> me, like, a, like a time in life, you know, and, you know, and like I said, like, it's just funny that to me that, you know, there's so many albums that came out in, you know, 92 or whatever, like, you know, I'm doing a whole series of these uh, pieces throughout the year of albums that turned 30 this year, you know? And yeah. the fact that this one was one that was a very important album to me now, like, and of course, and I mean this in all due respect, like on the surface for this album, somebody might listen to this and just go, eh, it's just another, and, and you know another metal band or whatever. But for some reason, but that album, that album and your band, like kind of all mixed in with the memories of that show and whatnot, like, yeah. you know. Some sometimes people are lucky and we are lucky as fans of music that we get to see a band that we don't realize we're seeing something that we that we may never see again. And best so, line I best you know, line I ever heard. Best line I ever heard. Um went to go see a seminar with Ken Scott in a very intimate setting. It was like, you know, maybe like 30, 40 people. And Scott was the producer of uh, Ziggy Stardust and, you know, was an engineer on the White Album and everything else like that. And, I, he, you know, he was just walking around after he, he was talking. And, and I, I actually got a chance to talk to him. I said, Ken, when you guys were making the White Album, did you realize what you were doing at the time? And he said to me, he goes, John Lennon sat next to me and said, Ken, do you think they'll remember us in six months? No. And he was deadly serious. So... My response to all of that is you never know what you're making while you're making it, right? You never know what, what's going to happen to it when it gets out into the public and you never know what's, where it's going to go, or who's going to pick up on it or who's going to do or go, you know what, that really changed my life or, or, you know, that, that riff was amazing. I spent, you know, hours in my room trying to figure it out, you know, those kind of things. You never know what kind of, of effect you're going to have on people. So my response to all of that is, is, you know what? I had fun making it and I try to have as much fun as I can making every record that I do, you know, try to have as much fun as I can try to have the guys, you know, enjoying themselves doing it because that's really what it's all about. Right. And I had a blast making doing the nasty. And, you know, I remember, you know, not as much as I wish I could remember, but I remember, you know, doing it and having fun and going in there and playing the best I've ever played in my life to that point. And, you know, like listening to, you know, the guitar coming through the big speakers and you're like, Jesus Christ, this sounds killer. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, 
you know, and, and into a, you know, a 1960s Neve board that's been specially, you know, like just fine tuned and tweaked. And it just, it, it, you, you can't, you can't take that ever away of how amazing that was and how great that that was for a lot of years. You know, I took a lot of that thing and I took a lot of it for granted, but, you know, you know, reaching, you know, my agent that I'm at now, I'm able to look back at that with a lot of fond memories and a lot of going, you know what, I had a really great time making that record and I had a really great time of my life with that band. And it was really, really good. Was there anything left that you, do you ever think there's any, there was anything possibly left in those reserves coming out of doing the nasty that could have, like, no, they're, they're, I, as far as I know, like you'd have to talk to, I guess, Nick, because he's the curator of all things like toxic, right? He would know if there was anything like <laughs> that. I don't think, I don't think that, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's anything left. I don't think we had anything left. I don't think there was anything that we put on the back burner. Uh, but I, I could be wrong. I just like, I just, I don't remember. Oh, no, 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 no. What I meant was, um, uh, was that like as a band moving forward and say like, you know, wanting to do new, cause I know you said like you were pretty much the first out. Um, but like, did you at any point, like look back maybe even now and go like, man, we could have done a, a follow up to that record. That would have been like, you know, there's always the, you know, there's always the woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, I don't, I don't think we could have made another doing the nasty. I really don't think we could have made that. You know, we were so disgruntled at the time. Like we had written probably about 30 or 40 songs that we brought the record label came down and they said, um, they said it wasn't organic enough. And I was like, well, what the fuck does organic mean? Right. Like, is it not like edible? Like, what is it? And, they, <laughs> and, and, and the response I got was, I don't know, but that's not it. Ah. So that's where we were at the time. And, you know, I don't think I don't think that Nasty could have ever been remade again. I don't think that we had another doing the nasty in us at that point. So, do you, I mean, I know that I know my answer to this question, but do you look back on that album and, and think if I had to make one album with that band, that's the one like I'm completely proud and happy of that one? If that was the one that you know what, yeah, remembered for it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's I think that's a that 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 album was a great record, and I think that that album, you know, I would love to be able to revisit it. Um, and, and play those songs again to see how I would approach them now at this age. Um, you know, cause you always grow as musicians and you always grow as whatever. And I'd love to see how, as a whole band, we would approach those songs. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that because I feel like with the whole, you know, we saw it happen before, not so much over the last year or so because of the, the COVID, but you know, I mean, yeah, 30 years is a pretty big fucking milestone you know yeah it's a yeah. Big, it's a big fucking deal yeah <laughs> like how it worked yeah, that yeah. in there but do you know what i mean like i mean that's a that's i mean 30 years is a is a milestone like you know has there been talk or consideration of okay. maybe, like so i will i will go and i will i will be the the talker of it now you know, Neil and I used to talk and then we've sort of not stopped. We've stopped talking to each other because we had different views on, on COVID and all that sort of, and God bless him. You're entitled to your opinions if that's what you want to be. But, um, right. Nick and I have recently been talking to each other and it's been really, really great. It's been really, really good talking to him. Um, but he has basically put the kibosh on any sort of reunion. Now, that doesn't mean like, like I'm, I'm, I'm totally happy for him as long as he's happy. That's all anyone could ever want. And anyone like any, as long as he's happy doing what he's doing and it will not come to a point say, you know what, I wish I'd done it when we're 70 years old, when we, you know, are quite able to do it now. Um, if he doesn't want to do it, God bless him. I hope he's happy and that that's fine. And I'll, I'll you know, like as, 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 as a, you know, a, a friend and whatever, I will support whatever decision he wants to do. All anybody could ever want is to just be happy. And if he's not going to be happy doing a slick reunion with me and Neil, um, then that's cool too. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, 
that's that's very cool. I mean, that's very. I mean, it's respectable. You know, uh, of course. Well, I, I mean, I could turn. I mean, I I could be like, fuck that little fucking prick. Why fuck fuck you? Fuck. Yeah, I could be like that. I'm the, calling the, Sebastian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that will never happen. Huh. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> that, no, no, um, no. But it's just like you know. You can't be you can't be angry and bitter about it. Would I love to do it? Of course, I would love to do it. Mm-hmm. But you can't force people to do something they don't want to do and they don't want to be happy doing it. Especially when he's happy, you know, doing his classic albums live and doing his famous underground, and he's all happy doing that. And you know what, man? That's all you can ask is someone to be happy, and that makes that makes me happy that he's happy. And that's awesome because the other thing too is that it it's such a personal decision and it's such a personal like emotion of things to revisit you know like yes when i left rachel's dead in 94 it was not a pretty split up we you know like it was not very nice a good thing in our older years like we you know like we actually got back together and had a little hangout probably about seven years ago or so and caught up you know and hung out in a room and just talked and you know, like, and it was, it was kind of like a nice closure for me. But now yeah. if those guys called me tomorrow and were like, we want to do a Rachel's Dead reunion show, I'd be like, eh, yeah, no, you know, I like you guys. And like, it was fun, but, but I don't want to do it. It's not, you know, and that sentiment makes me understand someone like Nick, where like, as a fan, you want to be like, Fuck Nick, why wouldn't you? I want to hear doing the nasty in 2022. Exactly. But I mean, and you know what? You got to, you, you know, like, and people would probably throw a boatload of cash at it, but it's just, it's not, it's not worth it. Like, it's not worth it to do it that way if people aren't happy doing it. I mean, if we could all get in a room and say, you know what, let's fucking do this because this will be a hoot. We'll have a great time. But it's not it. it I, I don't think that there's any interest like that. In, right. So I, and that's fine. And I'm good with it. And I'm totally you know happy with that. But it's been cool because obviously uh, it seems like Nick has been very, very uh, cool about uh, talking about the album lately and the 30th. Yes, and, absolutely. Know, he's been doing I mean, the- and, you know, it. Instagram and yeah, like uh, like so. It's so there's still that sense of pride, which is great, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, and there's nothing not to be proud about. That was a really good record. I mean, we worked our asses off to do it. Um, It was it was a really it was a great record, and there's nothing not to be proud about. All right, so to wind us down, I'm going to do this kind of like a lightning round thing here. I'm going to go in order, track by track. And I want you to tell me a little snippet of memory or a story that you have that relates to each of these tracks. Okay. All right. Get that old man memory fired up. (laughs) Okay. Just give me a second. I'll get there. Jesus Christ. You're just throwing these things out to me. I don't know what I'm going to do here. Okay. Old comedian man yells at me. You stop that. Get off my lawn. All right. All right. Track one, big fucking deal. Um, remember the rehearsal spot that we had in, uh, not in Scarborough, where was it? Uh, God, but I remember we had to come downstairs. I, I don't remember where exactly where it was. And that's kind of where I wrote that riff. And then it was funny because on the on the walls around there there was uh there was a sign that says what do you get when you cross a bun and an onion a bunion <laughs> just because you know whatever <laughs> and i still chuckle about that to this day that's anyway that, that's what that, that's what big fucking deal reminds me of all right hell of a time um, that was written out in Scarborough and I remember the riff. I remember how bouncy that riff was and how much fun that riff was to play, right? Because it's such a bouncy riff, right? Like it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, what is it? Hang on. You know, I'm going to have to play it now because I'm, you know, I'm just sitting there. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm going to have to play it. And, so I, it's, and, 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 and to, to actually also say one of the most unconventional opening chords. Well, no, just like this, the E sounded like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and then, yeah, the rip. The... Yeah, and it's just fun. It was a fun riff to play. I love playing that riff. All right. Well, it's also your first video. Yes, it was. The, the, the first video? Yeah. yeah, it was weird. Like, we had catering for that video. We had We had lizards. We had a set built. We had a wardrobe budget. It was crazy. It was crazy. That's a- absolutely nuts. <laughs> All right, Sweet Asylum. Oh, favorite part of that song. Um, the the and then, then the the- yeah, the China and everything. Yeah, yeah it was great. And then <laughs> the the middle section where the volume swells that was really cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was really uh, that that was. Uh, yeah, that was a really cool, uh, cool song. Just, just it was a lot of fun to play. All right. Uh, so, why lies black truth? That was like a dark tune, man. But like, kind of masked in this, like, uh, like kind of masked in like a a a a, a pretty ballad of sorts, you know? But yeah, like- it is, it's kind of it, it's it's rock and it's got a real country flavor to it. And it's got, you know, it, and it was, it, again, you know, one of those kind of songs, uh, Pat, the bass player came up with that riff and that, that little picking pattern or the, 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 you know, A, D, G, D, right. I mean, it was, yeah. And it was, again, a, a lot of, a lot of fun to play. And it was, it was, you know, it was a really popular song. I mean, we were lucky to get that and, and put that out there and people really dug that. Another great video too. Yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, it was it was a really good video. Nick had the big fucking like tribal, yeah, and I was, the, the neck and, piece or whatever. Yeah, all I got out of that deal was a jean jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Did, didn't even didn't even still have the tag on it, so you could return it. <laughs> no, I, I I think I, I think that I I think I just dug that out of the closet, and you know. <laughs> I think I just dug that out and that was it. So, yeah. So what about, uh, let me see. I'll, okay. Let's go into Marionette because that one uh, is that a song, that song was around, was around way before slick toxic was slick toxic. We were oh. playing that song. We were playing that song when we were still like portrait or whatever. And that was way before, you know, way before uh, slick toxic. And again, that was one of the first ones, right? It's like, yeah it was kind of funky it's it's and it's kind of whatever but it's um again that was one of the original songs not much to tell about it was just it was you know again it was a you know an old song so we kind of talked about it's not easy already but yeah that has so many like to me that's like that that's like the showstopper like there's so there's like these it's almost like a suite of sorts, you know, like it's like a sleazy yeah, suite, you know, there's a whole bunch of different parts in that song. Right. Um, there, there's a whole bunch of different parts, you know, like, you know, Pat with his slap, pop slap. And, 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 you know, um, there's some really heavy parts in that song. And again, you know, with the blues, with the slide, and there's a whole bunch of, you know, the whole bunch of shit going on in that song. And it, yeah, again, another fun one to play. And was that, a, um, was that one of the songs that was kind of like written in chunks or did it like all just kind of come? No, it all just like, came come like together. That. It was all, it was all put together like that. It was all put together. Like Nick did most of the arrangement on that song. So yeah, it's, you know, it was all put together like that. That's a, I mean, that that's just, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's like, it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like the sleaze metal version of the Whatever. I can't remember what I was saying already, man. <laughs> yes, I got it. I, I knew I knew where you were going. I knew where I was going. Dude, I've only had one fucking beer. I can't even take that. You know, I haven't had any. Oh, well, I'm, I'm tapped out already. And this is just plain orange juice, by the way. It's not anything else in it. So no, uh, I, I, believe <laughs> I, I believe you. you should. <laughs> I do. So, so crashed was like your big show opener. Yeah. You know, talk about like making such a good impression, but so what can you tell me about 
crash. Like, what's that's, your thought? That, of, what's song, your that, one? that song is in C sharp, and I never played a song in C sharp in my life. So I, I didn't, I didn't understand the, the voicings of that. And I didn't get it until I actually sat down and tried to work with it and realized that, Oh, there's so many things you can do with C sharp. Right. So it, that, that riff was, was, was started in C sharp, which was, you know, something that I have never done in, in my entire life until we wrote that song. And then it was like, Oh, that's really cool. So, I mean, that's the only thing I can say about that song other than it's a great fucking opener. And it's, you know, the, the, the vocal, the, the vocal breaks for Nick to sing, you know, the you are my love. Yeah. Get a dream. See, no, see you, don't, you don't need Nick. Just fly me out, man. And I'll come out. <laughs> yeah. With what? Buttons? Good looks? We can do, we can do, we can, we can do Don Toxic. <laughs> or, you can, or dick toxic. <laughs> well, I'd be like Dante's Inferno. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no I mean, they'd be throwing money at you guys to stop. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah so. no, wow. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's some really cool parts in that song. There's again, there's lots of opening. And like I said, it was the first song I ever played in my life in C sharp, and it was really cool to do that. So, so going into like uh, by the fireside. Gotta my least favorite, down. my least favorite song on the album. On, man. But so, what was that? But was that a was that a natural, or was that one of those type of things where like the label was like? No, it was it was that. natural. I mean, everything on that record was naturally done. Like we we wrote it, we did it. Like there was no outside guys, you know, you know, writing or anything else like that. So we wrote it, we did it, um, and it was just something that we had to do. You know, we got to have a ballad. Gotta have a ballad. We did. Nobody told us that way, but gotta have a ballad. You gotta have one. Which is so true. I mean, because especially for the time, you know, and the period, right? Yeah. Like that was that was. I mean, that was like expected. You know. Yeah, you gotta Which have a so ballad. Funny because it says a lot that that it's my least favorite song on the album, but it's not anywhere near my least favorite ballad. Do you know what I mean? So to me, that's well, more. Well, a- I mean, that that's good, right? But I'm not a big fan. Like, I don't mind ballads, and I don't, I, I don't whatever. But I, I don't like contrived ballads. Um, so, you know, it's. Was that a contrived ballad? I wouldn't say it was. I think that we were pretty much honest with it when we were writing it. Um, it's just, eh, you know, it's eh. it's it was eh. supposed to be. It was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, it was supposed to be there. It's like, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's just simple and it's to the point. And that's, that's all there is to it. Because one of the things I always found interesting about that song is that, like, if you... It, it, you know, if let's say if anyone remembered Slick Toxic just based on, say, like a picture or whatever, you know, or like saw a picture of Nick. Right. Like you guys kind of had the skid row thing in the sense that, like, when I looked at, at, at a picture of Slick Toxic, I didn't think like, wow, these dudes are pretty. You know, like I was like, I expected more to hear like what was on the rest of the album. So to hear the ballad yeah. was really cool, but at the same time, it it didn't seem like it was the other way around, where it was like, oh, here's this kind of pretty band trying to yeah, be hard. I mean, you I mean, know, I mean, we weren't Nelson, put it that way, right? Like we're not Nelson, we weren't like that. So, oh, God, um, thank you for not. Being. No, like like we weren't. Um, even though Love and Affection is a great song, I love that riff. Um, but that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, like Fireside was just, you know, it was just uh, the uh, the ballad that we had to have. Ballad that we had to have. Yeah. But like it, it, it again, like I said, like it, it was part of the time and it was perfect <clears throat> for what it what it needed to do. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. So we had you know blood money, then we had cheap nicotine, but this is the song that I. I was Midnight Grind. That okay. has so the grind. most insane fucking lyric. I mean, vocals on that song right. is just. I will tell you that this was the day before. Uh, these were the days before auto tune. These were the days before you actually had harmonizers. These were the days before all those things. All, all those harmonies you hear in that song, vocally wise, Nick did them all. I remember watching him after a good seven hour session at phase one studios doing the harmonies for that song, basically looking like someone had beaten the fuck out of him. And he, you know, he nailed it. Like there's so much 
that's there's so much going on in that song as well too between the clean guitar parts between you know um you know rob's leads my leads um and neil's drumming there's just so much going on in that song that make it so cohesive at the end of that um and again it's one of nick's finest vocal performances ever oh to me it's one of the it's one of the best hard rock metal vocal performances and it's one of those it's like it's to me it's one of my favorite and best ones that i never remember like until i go yeah. to listen to it you know and then i go listen oh, to it yeah. and i go jesus christ man i mean like i'm talking like you know he's off the page you know like i don't know the staff it's even good. goes that high <laughs> you know? no it, it's like <clears throat> his harmonies were absolutely stellar on that song they were great um you know and it it's it, it, you know, I, I, I still get blown away remembering that whole, um, that whole time watching him do vocals in that song. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was unbelievable. Like just the sheer amount of, of power that came out of that little guy that just threw, like basically pushed another wall across the room. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I've been so lucky to, you know, have witnessed things like that, which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, so then, yeah, to cap off the album, we had Rachel's Dead, which again I'm gonna throw out, which which we actually my band when we decided to call ourselves Rachel's Dead, um, which was my idea, I decided to spell it H A E L because yep. just in case Slick Toxic came to sue us, yeah. we could yeah. none of that. But I, I but just to, to, like again goes back to the time, right? Like I was like, yeah. I was like, oh my god, they're on a major label. If we use their name, they're gonna sue us. Yeah, but not if we spell it differently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, you know <laughs> boy, dude, the 30 bucks you could have made off of us, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole 30 bucks we you know, like we would have had to give that to the lawyers. Right? I was so, about to say that would have been the phone call to the lawyer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, I mean, Rachel's dad was again a whole, like, you know, take on Rachel's breathing, and it was a whole take on, um, you know, that whole riff, um, and just sort of played in, in instead of E, we played it in F sharp, and it was just, it, yeah, it, it just it was it was really cool. I mean, Nick played guitar on that song. There's just a whole bunch of like noise, sound effects, and and silly things, and. And, you know, basically, you know, Rachel was breathing and then we killed her. That's a simple, that's a simple explanation for that. And so what an was, album was Rachel anybody or like, or was that no, just, it was just like, no, a, what, Nick used to get phone calls in the middle of the night at like two in the morning or, or whatever. And he was sleeping and he'd pick up the phone and all he'd hear is someone breathing on there. So he just ended up calling them all Rachel. Right. And that, that's, that's how like, that, that's how that came out that to be Rachel's breathing. There was no one person. I mean, he, you know, at least he doesn't know. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that's going back, you know, quite a number of years. Um, so I don't think it was any one person. It was just, you know, that's what he named them all. Right. He named them all that. Oh, that is amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Dude. So 30 years later doing the nasty, on spotify it sounds amazing it still sounds great do you look back on it and ever think i wish i would have done this different is there no, anything that um, you wish? no there's 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 really not much i mean maybe little shit that i could have done differently on the record itself but you know as far as whatever i'm really happy because that's where i was 30 years ago and that's exactly when i listen to that record i remember that's where i was 30 years ago well Dude, 30 years looks good on you, man. And it sounds incredible. And like, I love this, man. I love, I love that 30 years later at 48, I can still listen to this album and go, it sounds every bit as fun and great as it did when I picked it up the day after seeing you guys in Atlanta, Georgia, the one time I got to see you. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that it that it that it still sounds good. I mean, I listen to it, you know, every once in a while and I go, yeah, this is this sounds really, really good. The album sounds great, you know, and it sounds like exactly the way it was when I was 30 years ago. But I listen to my playing, you know, I'm like, you know, that but that's how I thought, you know, 30 years ago. And that's how I kind of, you know, approached it then. Um, I don't know necessarily know if I'd approach it the same way now, but it's uh yeah, it, it just brings me back in time 30 years ago. It brings me back in time going, yeah, yeah I remember that. Dude, man, 
thank you for giving me such a great piece of music. And I know it's again, it's it's it it's not an album that everybody knows, but to me, it's one of those things I consider a cult classic, and it's a personal favorite. And it got us to be friends all these years. Absolutely. And I, I yeah, have to sure. say, man, like, you know, and now that we know, now that I know that uh, Nick is curating all this shit, I'm just going to start pounding him down and being like, you know, redo the shirts, man. I need a new shirt. I need this. I don't, I don't think we, I don't think we have the opportunity to do that, which it would be great because I really like a shirt as well. Um, I really don't have much of anything from that era, which really kind of sucks. Um, you know, I guess just moving so much of my life that, you know, not being able to hang on to everything as I wanted to. Um, but, you know, I don't think he has that the access to be able to do all that kind of stuff. But any sort of any sort of slick toxic memorabilia or any sort of slick toxic info, he he remembers everything. Yeah, he remembers everything. He's got a great mind for it and he remembers it all. Well, I'll be honest, man. This is one of the very few albums that I can think of that I actually would want to actually talk to more than one person involved because it is such a great record and it's so much fun. And it was just, I don't know, like that there's a, there's a, it's got a a personal connection, you know, and dude, and I can't thank you enough for being part of it and for being you, man, dude, you're I know I, I, I'm pretty good at being me. <laughs> KG so real, man. Yeah, only on Thursdays. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> well, dude, thanks again for doing this, man. It's so awesome. Yeah, always, welcome, man. You know, you know, welcome. I love you. You know, I love, I love you tons, too. man. And, um, yeah, dude, let, 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 you know, let's, um, I don't know, man. We we got to do this again, even just to just to do it, just to talk. I mean, I do. I mean, I do have other stuff going on. I mean, that we can talk about once I get uh, the mixes done. I can actually send them down to you, and you actually listen to it, and then we can have something else to talk about. I would love that because that's the other thing too. Is I, I one of the things I love talking, you know, to um, you know, all these, you know, like friends of mine, like you, you know, like you know, like even even someone like Nick, who you know I admire because he's part of you know part of you, you know, and you know, right. you're, you're my favorite. This is, you know, this I know. Is edited, and he doesn't but, need to know. Like, I mean, hey, it's all good. I know, but like, but like, you know, to me, like, that's a guy that's, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'd like to talk to you about some of your other stuff though. In addition to like, sure. you know, the, this legacy of whatever, you know? And so yeah, it's always fascinating absolutely. to me when I get to talk to um, musicians who are doing like, you know, who have done various things. And like, I really like, I mean, you know, again, it kind of goes back to what you and I were talking about, just being like music dorks, you know? Yeah. Like, I am so fascinated and so, like, you know, just, you know, I want to know everything. I want to know everything, Absolutely. you know, that, oh, my God. Okay, before I forget, because I've got to edit this in, because I can't believe I forgot to ask you about it. You guys opened for D, uh, Dio era Black Sabbath. Yeah, one show. On uh, the Massey Dehumanizer Hall Tour. Dehumanizer Tour, one show, Massey Hall. Um what the I remember, fuck, dude, I remember Dio when Dio was warming up and he was like in a dressing room way in the back. And, and he sounded like he was like right here, like right next to you. Like that, like that little guy had a voice so powerful that it was unbelievable. I never heard anything else like that. Um, again, it was just, it was a Sabbath show and it was awesome. Like, I mean, I've seen Dio and Sabbath a few times um, and they're always great. Dio was such a phenomenal singer. And such a phenomenal presence for such a little guy that he was, you know, really, and, and we really didn't really get a chance to hang out with him at all. Um, Tony Iommi was kind of, I think, going through some really bad drug problems at that point um, in his life. And I, and, cause I think he was, he was a complete prick to me. Um, I walked up to him and said, hi, Tony, I'm Kevin in, in Slick Toxic in the opening band. He kind of just went and walked away. So I was like, I'm like, all right. You know, like, you know, sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes and then sometimes you do want to meet your heroes. And when you do meet them, sometimes they, you know, have a tendency to let you down. You got to remember they're just people too. Right. So, I mean, he might've been having a bad day. Might have been, you know, I don't, I don't know what was going on. That's, but what an incredible thing. Like not everyone gets to say. No, no, they don't. We open, no, they don't. We open for Black Sabbath. Like not even yeah. just like like we opened for Black Sabbath. 
like yeah, <laughs> Black I, Sabbath. I, like, I know, like, like, and it's it, it blows my mind too, and it, it's just like wow, you know, like it's Sabbath, it's fucking Sabbath. You're opening for Sabbath, like, and you just have to kind of go, wow, okay, I'm and a hometown show. Sabbath. Yeah, and like Massey Hall in Toronto, which is like a, a you know an iconic venue, and it is a, a one of the greatest venues that I've ever played in. Um, and it was amazing. Like it was, it was absolutely amazing. I cannot say I cannot say a bad word about it at all. Oh my god, dude! Nah. Take, that, take that to bed with you, bruh. <laughs> I take that to bed with you, bruh. <laughs> That's the New Orleans. Dude. Take take that to bruh. You know that was everything. Yeah. Was bruh. Here you go. What's bruh. up, bruh? Take that, yeah. take that to bed, bruh. Yeah, I, know. I used to go to school with a kid who wasn't from uh, who wasn't from New Orleans, and uh, um. And uh, whenever somebody'd go, what's up, bro? He'd go, what's up, girdle? <laughs> right up there with bunion. Yeah, what do you get when you cross a bun and an onion? If you do ever get, if you do ever get to interview Nick, and you get ever do get to talk to him about that, please make sure Nick. I goes, Kevin wanted me to ask you something. He wanted me to ask you, what do you get when you cross a bun and an onion? And he'll get it right away. He will get that right away. And he'll go and bunion. <laughs> well, I I'll I'll tell you a good one. You can even share this with Val. It's one of my favorite dad. What do you get when you cross a penis and a potato? What? A dictator. And on that note. <laughs> yes, we're gonna say goodnight for that. Too. This little boy's got to get to bed. Same here, man. Kevin, thank you again, dude. It's always yeah, man, a great. I love, you, always, thank you, so I love you too, man. And uh, let's do it again, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, All dude. Right. All, All right. right. Ciao, man. Right, later.